Hey, Cedar Mill, Pastor Dave here, and I want to welcome you to week two of our online services. I'm right here in my living room, and I assume many of you are in a similar place. And today I want to talk to you about the people I believe God is calling us to be during a time like this. Several weeks ago, you might remember that we launched into the season of Lent by starting a new series that we're calling Overthrown. And in this series, what we're really talking about are the things and places in our lives that we can have victory because of the victory that Jesus won on the cross. Things that Jesus has literally overthrown through his death and resurrection. In week one, we talked about fear, how we no longer have to be controlled or dominated by fear because our great God loves us and his perfect love casts out fear. In week two, we talked about shame and how God's amazing grace can eradicate even the deepest places of shame for you and I. And then last week, in our very first online service, pastors Paul and Bethany walked us through how in Christ, we can become people who are not overwhelmed by worry, even in times like these. And now today, I want to continue the series, and I want to talk about how Jesus has overthrown trials struggles in our world, how even in the most difficult times and difficult situations, God says we can be people of joy. So turn with me, if you will, to a passage in the New Testament that I believe really has something to say about where we are today in our world, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Turn there with me if you have a Bible. Um, As you turn, I'll just say this. I love the book of James because James is a straight shooter. He is a no-nonsense kind of guy, and he writes in real practical terms to talk to us about what it means and what it looks like to be followers of Jesus in the real world, in a world where suffering happens, in a world where trouble comes our way. James talks about following Christ even in a world where a virus will sweep over the entire globe. And so I believe James' words to us this morning will be encouraging and challenging, helpful and timely. James chapter 1, let's dive in. He begins this way. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face troubles of many kinds. Right away, as we get into the book of James, we find out that he's writing to Jewish followers of Jesus who've been scattered all over the entire Roman Empire. And James is writing to encourage them because he knows that they are facing what he calls trials of many kinds. And that phrase, many kinds, in the Greek is the word poikilos. Poikilos, it means literally many colors. In other words, the believers that James is writing to here are experiencing struggles that are many colored. They they all look different. Some are facing major persecution, intense, intense suffering, dire situations with lots of anxiety and fear. Others that he's writing to are only struggling a little bit. Their trial is simply not as intense. And, And friends, that reminds me a bit of us during this pandemic. Some of us are really feeling 
the impact and the pressure of COVID-19 in some very serious and significant ways. Some of us are deeply worried and concerned about health, about employment, about finances, about what this whole thing means for our futures and the rest of our lives. Others of us may not be feeling it quite as intensely. Maybe the stress isn't quite as, as large. And that's okay. But, but James says this. Here's what I love about him. No matter what the trial you are going through, whether it feels enormous or it feels small, whether it's a matter of life and death or just a major setback, whether it has profound impact on your future or it's simply, simply something that will come and go. James says, no matter what your trial is, no matter what it is, as a follower of Jesus, you can face it and you can walk through it with joy, with joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You know, I've been reading this week a lot about joy, and there are a ton of great definitions out there. But one of my favorites, the one I liked the most, says this. Joy isn't like happiness, which is based upon happenings or whether things are going well or not. Joy is an emotion that's acquired by the anticipation acquisition, or even the expectation of something great or wonderful. In other words, joy comes from having something or anticipating the having of something in the future that is greater than your current reality. It sort of reminds me of a couple years ago when I was off taking a run in Forest Park with a friend and we came back to my car only to find that it had been broken into, that the window had been bashed in. I talked about this a few weeks later, if you remember. Um, but we got up to the car, the window shattered, there's a huge mess, and it was a bummer. But I got into the car and I opened up the center console, you know that little kind of flip up center console thing that most cars have? And when I looked in there and I discovered that my grandfather's watch had not been taken, I was overjoyed because that thing is of great value to me. And, and so even in the face of a broken window and a giant mess and a repair bill and the fact that they took my bag with my favorite pair of jeans in it, none of that could bring me down. Why? Because I had this thing of greater value in my hand, this watch, and it gave me great joy. And in our passage today, James says this, even in the midst of your trial, whatever it is, you can have not just joy, but he says, pure joy. The King James Version says, count it all joy. And so this morning, I wanna talk about how we can have all joy in all circumstances. How we can live in the reality that the cross has overthrown our trials. And right away, James gives us our, our first instruction. He says, consider it pure joy. And, and that word consider is a special word. In Greek, it has built right into it, woven right in this idea of thinking ahead, of, of looking through something. It means to extrapolate out beyond the current circumstances and to consider the long-term impact. And the idea here is that you can have joy if you learn to look through your trial, beyond your trial, to what you'll have in the end when it's all over. And our greatest example of doing this, of seeing someone do this, is certainly Jesus himself. 
Remember, Jesus is in the garden. He's in the garden of Gethsemane, and he's looking ahead to the cross, to the suffering and pain and agony of the cross. But in the midst of that trial, the book of Hebrews tells us this, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. In other words, Jesus doesn't pretend the cross is going to be fun. He's not just being optimistic or positive. He doesn't say to the disciples, hey guys, you know, this cross isn't going to be so bad. Let's all just put on a happy face. You know, he's not saying, hey, the coronavirus is, is great. No. He tells us, it tells us this, that Jesus endured the cross. He, he made it through that suffering and difficulty and trial by looking through the cross and thinking ahead to what God was going to accomplish on the other side. You see, it was the victory he would win over sin and death. It was the fact that he would be united again with his heavenly father that gave him, a, that gave him joy amidst the struggle because he looked through, he looked beyond. And friend, that's, that's, that's step one to having joy amidst our trials. Looking through our suffering. Look beyond your current situation, to what God is going to accomplish on the other side. That's step one. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you're taking notes, you can underline that word, no, because if joy is a key word in verse 2, then no is a, a key word in verse 3. It's the Greek word ginosko. It's a fun word to say. Say it in your living room. Ginosko. Oh, that's weird. Don't do that. Anyway, it, it means this. It means to know something. It means to understand something. It means to have a deep personal belief or conviction that something is true. And what James is, is telling us here, what he's saying is this, to have joy amidst your trial, you must know, you must deeply believe that God is doing a transforming work in you, a transforming work of maturing you and preparing you for something greater that he has planned. Cognitive psychologist Albert Ellis calls this the ABCs of adversity. He says when adversity comes, a, then you have to choose what to believe about that adversity, B, and then depending on what you believe, you will make choices, C, you'll live your life. So A plus B equals C, adversity plus belief equals choices. And the variable here is, of course, belief, because you can't control adversity. It just happens. It just comes. But you can control what you believe. And again, James says, if you want your choices, if you want your life response to be pure joy, you have to believe some things. You have to choose to believe some things. Specifically, what James says here is that we must learn to believe that God is using our trials to mature us and make us complete, not lacking anything. In other words, he's helping us to become the people that God longs us to be for all eternity. He's doing something of far greater value. And that's step two. Believe that God is working 
amidst your trials. The Apostle Paul talks about this very thing time and time again in the New Testament. I'll give you one example. He's writing here to the church at Corinth and he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And what Paul is telling the believers at Corinth is this. He's saying, believe right in the middle of your, of your trials and struggles and difficulties. Believe that God is using those to, in the end, help you become someone that you will be for all eternity. He's saying there's not just temporal relief ahead. There's eternal relief, eternal glory on the horizon. So have joy now. That's what gives them joy now. And finally this morning, verse 5, James says this, and this is a great way to wrap up our time together. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And it will be given to you. Now, first of all, we need to understand that for these first century Jesus followers, the way they defined wisdom was the ability to understand and see life from God's perspective. And so what James is saying here is that if you're having trouble viewing your trial, your struggle, your difficulty in the way that God wants you to view it, in a way that will bring joy, then go to God and ask for his help. Go to God and ask for wisdom, his wisdom. Say, God, I need you to help me start to see things differently and think differently and believe differently. Turn to him in prayer. Turn to his word. Fill your mind with what God says. Paul, again, talks about the same thing in Romans chapter 12. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't think the way the world thinks. Don't just accept worldly wisdom, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Then you'll be able to act accordingly to thinking the way he wants you to think. In other words, don't let the world primarily shape your thinking. Let God pour his truth into your mind. Let him pour out his wisdom for your benefit. And that's step three. Seek the Lord for wisdom. And and what's great about this passage is James tells us that God's not stingy when it comes to his his, his wisdom. He's not frugal when it comes to doling this stuff out. That word generously, it means unconditionally, without bargaining. You don't have to bargain with God for it. It means freely. It means he won't hold back. He's dying to lavish you with his knowledge and his wisdom for the trial that you're facing. And so church, let me ask you this question this morning. Are you turning to God for wisdom and confidence and understanding in these days? Are you looking to him? Are you opening his word daily to be reminded about what he says about struggle? Are you consistent and constant in prayer in order to have joy, even in the midst of COVID-19? Because just like Jesus in the garden, there there is a joy that has been set out before us. And so before we go, I want to I close with this. I've been thinking about 
this, this story all week. Uh, one of my favorite movies this past year was Free Solo, which I watched again this week in quarantine because, you know, lots of time to kill. Um, but Free Solo is the story of a rock climber named Alex Honnold, and it's his quest to climb what is largely considered to be the most majestic granite wall on earth, El Capitan in Yosemite National Park. But here's the kicker. The reason this is, is such an intense moment is because Alex is going to climb this cliff with no ropes, with no safety ropes. Now, some of you have been there. Some of you have been to Yosemite and you've seen El Cap, but if you haven't, you need to know this. It's amazing. It's 3,000 feet of sheer vertical rock. And in the film, El Cap acts as, as sort of this enormous challenge, this huge struggle and trial that Alex is facing. But as you watch and as you see the story unfold, the thing that keeps Alex moving forward, the thing that keeps him positive and focused and hope-filled as he trains and prepares for this huge trial that lies ahead of him, is that he knows what lies on the other side of that trial. He knows how he'll feel. He knows that feeling he'll have once he makes it to the top. And I was thinking this week that maybe Alex is just a tiny little picture, a little glimpse of what we're really talking about today. Because at the end of, of our struggles, at the end of my trials and your trials and, and maybe this whole COVID-19 trial, at the end of the trials that we're going to face for the rest of our lives, I believe is a mountaintop experience. There's a mountaintop reality for you and me that makes El Capitan look like a pinhead. And that mountaintop experience is salvation. Salvation in Christ. It's eternal glory. Glory that goes on forever and ever and ever. It's the promise that in the midst of our momentary trials, our God is making all things new. So friends, we can be people, not just of joy, but of complete joy, of all joy, of pure joy. So listen to these words one more time. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be, may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's the word of the Lord today, friends. Be encouraged. Let's pray. Father, we gather as a church family all across this city in different houses, in different living rooms, and we pray together, Lord, uh, for your people, for your church right now, that your church would be encouraged and strengthened to rise up and be people of light, be people who live with joy in this world. Help us to shine, Lord. Give us confidence and peace and healing. Help us to care for one another deeply. And then, God, may your joy just uh, echo through our hearts and lives out into this world. Give us the strength that we need, God, because of who you are and what you've given us and what you will give us to face these trials with courage and peace and overwhelming joy. That's our prayer, God. We pray it together. 
And we pray it in Jesus' name.